What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again this week by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. Uh, I'm okay. I, I'm notably not in Milwaukee. Yeah, that's a uh, that's that's kind of on you, bud. I don't know what to tell you about that. I mean, you knew that the party was going to be here this week, and I got to visit. So, for those that don't follow me on the old Twitter, which uh, what well, I mean, just, let's just take care of that right now. Obviously, if you're not following us on Twitter, you should be remedying that as soon as possible. Uh, you can follow us at our shared account at In the Deep PL, and then you can also follow myself at Bunt Singles and then Schwebzy, less so than me, but like still, you should follow Schwebzy as well at his namesake, Schwebzy, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. But no, I mean, I chronicled all of my adventures along with uh, Michael Ahedo, uh formerly of Pitcherless, and Janice Scurio from NBC Sports Edge. Uh, I got to hang out and meet both of them in person for the first time. We went to a Brewer game, and I got to say it was the dopest, dare I say? I mean, it was it was just as good, if not better, than meeting Schwebzy. Yeah, I'm I'm appalled uh, because you said it was the dopest before correcting yourself, knowing full well that we had just gone to a game like a month ago. I mean, that was also okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? That's fine. That's that's fine. Okay, okay. You know what? Okay, okay. That's fine because I'm going to be going to Boston with the Pitcherless crew in in a week, and you know who's not going to be there. The, Mil- um, the Milwaukee crew. So the, yeah, um, there's a lot of people that aren't going to be there, but I mean, I still think that ours is like way cooler. Just, yeah, to, all... just to be real, I mean, to be fair, it's not Mikey that makes it cool. Just because Mikey, if you're listening to this, you were not what made that cool. I got to meet Janice. That was like the highlight of the entire thing for sure. Cool. I'll, I'll I'll have to get in touch with Janice's people and see if she'll make the trip to to Boston. Get your people to get in touch with her people, and then she yeah. can have to buy. No, well, oh no, uh, that doesn't work because you're my people. You're 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 my editor. You're you're my people. I I, I am the through way. To Janice for you, and yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to help you with that. I want to make sure that I have had more fun than you did. <laughs> but anyway, okay, let's actually get to this episode right away. Here, let's get through this. Uh, let's start with some hitters right away at the top of the show. Schwebzy, um, we have down here Alemis Diaz to start off. 16% rostered currently. So, what do you have to say about Diaz? I know that there's some playing time concerns coming up, but what are we, what are we thinking about Alemis Diaz? You, you know the meme where it's like, uh, it's like, oh, I, I want Cocoa Puffs. And mom's like, we have Cocoa Puffs at home. And it's like store mm-hmm. brand Cocoa Puffs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Aledmus Diaz is like store brand Abraham Toro. The the the, uh, the Astros are like, oh, we don't have Abraham <laughs> Toro anymore. And mom's like, oh, we have another Abraham Toro at home. And it's Aledmus Diaz because he's a really similar hitter. And it's a very similar situation. It's like, it, it just pretend that I'm still recommending Abraham Toro to you. It's like, we we kind of know what we're getting with the lead Diaz. He's he's yeah, like sure. he's like that fabled professional hitter, like where he has like the good enough contact rates and he's got middling power and he's just cromulent enough to produce when he's in the right role and the right situation. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Fair uh, enough. Okay, I think okay, can I just say something? I think it's really funny that you said uh uh <laughs> a fabled, quote unquote fabled professional hitter with good enough contact rates <laughs> as every good fable goes like the very like adequate hero in every single fable <laughs> anyways yeah, every, every every hero in the fable is just good enough no one's no one's ever yeah. <laughs> it's fine but, it's fine uh, so uh 
Alex Bregman is due back in a couple of days. Yes, correct. Which which uh, I found out shortly after writing uh, Aledmus Diaz's name down and was a real bummer. But I actually don't think that uh, Alex Bregman's return is going to cut into Diaz's playing time that much because okay. Aledmus Diaz has played every position on the diamond except for catcher and center field. So he is going to continue to spell pretty much every batter in the Astros lineup. So he's going to get his playing time. He's going to get his plate appearances. Yeah, he'll collect his uh, PAs as he goes on, obviously. Like that utility, again, we, that's something that we harp on a ton, especially in most of the people that we talk about, is that you will, one, multi position eligibility, if you have it, is always very, very good. So you can slot someone into your lineup wherever you need them. Same thing in real life, being able to do that and slot in anywhere on the field is going to allow you more opportunities to get at bats, which hopefully Diaz will get continuing moving forward even after Bregman comes back. So definitely good uh, to uh, hit on that. Uh, is there anything else uh, that you want to point out about Diaz? Right. And on top of him being versatile position-wise, he's also been versatile uh, lineup-wise where he has hit in basically every spot in the lineup. It's I, I think he has hit everywhere two through eight. And I, I, I think that's pretty funny that it's like, oh, yeah, he's good enough to hit second, but not good enough to hit first. And he's bad <laughs> enough to hit eighth, but not bad enough to hit ninth. Actually, I think that ninth thing is just because Martin Maldonado just has that number nine spot in the lineup on lock so hard. Yeah, I don't think they're ever going to move Martin Maldonado out of that spot at all. Um, it's like good, good, good on you for carving out a role, Martin Maldonado. You've got your spot. He knows his role. He's a good defensive catcher. He's pretty well. He's a decent defensive catcher, I should say. But uh, what can you say about uh, Maldonado at the plate? It's like he's a real good defender. Oh God, that's that's like the meanest. <laughs> that, that's like that's like a that, that's a Midwest nice level insult, is what that is. I don't know if I like that very much. I'm just trying that, to prove that, my. It just I'm just trying to prove my worth after not being there this week. That's like that's like that's like being at a child's like little league game and parents just being like. Oh, he tries hard. He tries so hard. <laughs> but uh, over the last, uh, basically since Abraham Toro was traded away, Diaz has hit 295 with three home runs, seven runs, 10 RBIs. And that's over, I believe, 10 games. So, you know, that'll play. So, Talk yeah. Example. He's, he's a nice glue guy for your lineup, I think. I dig it. Okay, yeah. Uh, do you know offhand what all of his positional eligibility is? Do you know? Because uh, I think I want to say that he's basically just for now in some leagues he's only infield eligible, if I remember right. So I, I don't have him. I don't have every platform offhand, but what I have here on Fantasy Pros shows first base, second base, third base, left field. Um, so it's going to depend on your league because if your league has like a one game requirement, then he's also going to have shortstop. Uh, if it takes more than one game, he's not going to have short. Okay, so it looks like on Yahoo and CBS, he's got first, second, third, and outfield. Uh, and then on ESPN, he's got second base and third base. So he's multi-position eligible uh, on pretty much every single platform. So that's going to be really, really helpful in filling in. Uh, yeah, Lemus should be a good uh, filler player in your, like, your 15 team plus leagues. Uh, I guess what kind of what kind of leagues are you trying to roster Aledmus Diaz in? Schwabzi? I think anything deeper than a twelve teamer, where you also have middle infield, corner infield. I dig that. Okay, yeah, because he can slot in literally anywhere. He can fill, like you said, just yeah. uh, that versatility is so nice because he can slot in either of those spots. 
Yeah. Like, and I mean, honestly, with all the injuries this year, like he might be a, a middle infield or corner infield guy in a 12 teamer, really. It's not a bad bench bet to have with that much versatility. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's, there's a fair amount of those guys out there, but as far as like being on like a really good offense surrounded by like people who are, are going to be able to drive you in, hopefully, I mean, you might as well grab someone from Houston if you can, that seems like a, a good, really good bet. Uh, anything else you want to hit on with Aledmus? No, no. Although you you might be thinking that if we're leading with Aledmus Diaz, that we have a real uh, banger of an episode uh, ready for you. But we actually there we actually do have a good selection of uh, of bats and arms this week. These are these are these are the 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 big names that they come to us for, folks. So you know this. Heck yeah, this is well known at this point. All right, the real sexy on. names. <laughs> Moving on, let's go talk about. Uh, I'm going to be again, once again, being kind of a homer. I'm going to talk about speaking Rowdy Telez. Sexy, yeah. Speaking of sexy, Rowdy Telez, baby, yes. Uh, so we talked about it a little bit last week when we did our trade deadline recap episode, uh, but I really wanted to hype him up a little bit more because he's been awesome since he joined the Brew Crew, and I got to see him play today a little bit. Very, very fun. Uh, one thing you want to look at is like when you're looking. I mean, I know that's something that both Schwebzy and I like to use as a research tools looking at people's rolling ex-woba charts to see kind of just in general like it's, it's a really good broad brush to paint and see how people are performing and like basically seeing hot streaks cold streaks and things like that and since he's joined the brewers like a month ago he's been pretty consistently above league average in ex-woba which is always good to see and when you really break it down it's super simple to look at the delineation between his time with the blue jays and his time with the brewers when he was with toronto he was striking out 22% of the time and walking 6% of the time. And with Milwaukee, he's striking out less than 14% of the time. So that's a 33% decrease in K rate. And then he's walking over twice as much at 12.3%. So if you double that walk rate and you cut your K rate by seven points, and then you have a better than average hard hit rate and a fairly decent lineup spot, he's usually like fifth or sixth in the lineup, though he's bounced around depending on if he's pinch hitting and stuff like that for anywhere from like five to nine um there's a lot to love about his transition um one thing i wanted to hit on too is that i know a lot of people have asked me the question when i've talked about rowdy telez like okay but is he going to start against left-handers because he is a lefty is there going to be like any weird platoon split stuff that they're going to have to deal with honestly no because i didn't realize it until looking at his splits for both like this season and his career but he's actually hitting for a better average against lefties than he is against righties. So he's hitting 333 against lefties this year and only 226 against righties, although he has been hitting for more power, but that's just been with more at-bats, obviously. Um, and yeah, the sample is kind of small. He's only got like 38 or so at-bats against lefties this year, so that's not a lot to work off of. But then if you just look at his career splits as well, he's hitting 272 over his career versus lefties and then 240 against righties. It's just kind of something that he does consistently. So, I mean... If he's still available in like a 15-team league, I think he's an automatic add. And then also just in any 12-team leagues that have corner infield spots, he seems like a slam dunk. How did it feel to have to watch Daniel Vogelbach all year and then your team just goes out and acquires Daniel Vogelbach, but good? Man, like... I really wanted Vogelbach to be a solid bat. And I think he is in certain cases. He go, He's incredibly streaky, though. I think well, that, it I mean, is what it comes down to. Um, now he can take his rightful spot as the team mascot. He is Barrel Man. He is inside the Barrel Man outfit. 100% confirmed. Again, like Barrel Man is Daniel Vogelbach Pinocchio. 
Daniel Vogelbach takes his head off and the barrel man head is there. <laughs> oh no. It's just like Russian dolls. <laughs> it's like some very strange acid trip where it's just like Vogelbach takes off his head and it's a barrel man and then barrel man comes off and it's another Daniel Vogelbach underneath just repeatedly over and over again, like some weird Alice of Wonderland acid trip. I just want to I just want to see Barrowman and Vogelbach fighting to see who who goes down the slide. Well, actually, that's not Barrowman. That's Bernie Brewer. Whatever. I just thought of a joke that Mikey told me while we were at the game today, and I cannot say it on the podcast because it's in, it's inappropriate. Y'all DM me later. Anyways, uh, that's all I have on Rowdy. I just think he's dope, and I'm just I, really glad that the Brewers have him. And I also think I that have he should have him on your leagues. fantasy teams. Yeah, yeah I, I picked him up in several places. He's been absurd. Like he, I think, oh god, since he got, oh, I don't have it up anymore. He's been hitting like 340 plus, and he's got an OBP of like over 410 since he joined the Brewers. He's just been absolutely insane. It, so it seems like such a simple concept to like find the teams that have like a, a surplus in certain positions and then trade for that surplus. Mm-hmm. And like it seems like exactly. the simplest thing. And then Stern goes out and does it and it's beautiful. It's perfect. He looks like a genius constantly. It's fantastic. Yeah. We love David Stearns here on In the Deep. Him and it's like who who's on our like in the deep Mount Rushmore? That's my question. It's Joey like him Wendell. And, him, well, no, no. Okay, well, okay. For players, that makes sense, sure. But it's like David Stearns, uh, Farhan Zaidi. Yeah. Yes, it's like those two, otherwise known as Sleeping Beauty Kisser. Um, <laughs> for those who listen past the the it's end credits be, and the end, uh, the that. ending theme, you'll know what I'm talking about from last week. Um, Joey Wendell, and then who else would we have on there? I mean, uh. Probably, I, mean, I feel I feel like I feel like Brandon Velt belongs there. He's been with us since the beginning. I he's will been say. with us since the very beginning, and we uh, spoiler alert: we're going to talk about him again today a little bit. Shocker! Big shocker! We're talking about Giants on in the deep. It's just like I would have thought. If if Brandon Belt comes off the injured list, you can bet that we are about to talk about him. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Okay. I guess we. Okay. So. We do give a lot of love to the Giants. I think that we should probably give some love to another NL West team. Let's talk a little bit about Sam Hilliard here, buddy. What do you have on you know, Sam Hilliard? He's been kind of killing it lately. You know, you, you would think that in a fan in a fantasy baseball podcast that we would talk about the Rockies more. It's surprising. And, we do, we really we, don't. We we have criminally underrepresented the Rockies this year, and we're we're about to change that. I'm going to talk about two Rockies right now. The, the, it's it's oh, rock God, eye. You, you, you. It's yeah. It's, I'm gonna let's it's, talk about it's, several it's, rock it's, eye. It's not, it's not just Rockies, plural. No, no, several rock eye. Uh, <laughs> okay. The first of which I'll, I'll take it. The first of which Sam Hilliard, uh, and is is it finally Sam Hilliard breakout season? Because I thought Sam Hilliard breakout season was in April, and I was wrong. I was very in on Sam Hilliard uh, in the preseason. Uh, I, I I had him. I, I've had him sitting in my minor league system, my NL only league, for like a dollar all, all year long, waiting yep. for him to get called back up. Uh, the the big draw for Sam Hilliard, if you're unfamiliar, is that he he runs really fast and he hits the ball really far. And uh, we, you know we like that in fantasy because we we like our steals and home runs. Yes, we do. Power uh, speed combos, baby. Yeah, and and the downside to the package and the reason that he's you know never played that much is the swing and miss. And he strikes uh, out so much, so I, much. I remember when you had me guess before the episode what he before he got hurt was it? Yeah, uh, no, I don't think he got hurt. I think he was before just he got sent down playing so poorly that he got sent down. Okay, yeah, before he got sent down, you asked me to quote like what what I thought 
his K rate was before he got sent down. And I thought it said 42% and I undersold it. It was 48. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the start of, right. The start of this year was basically a worst case Sam Hilliard Rockies scenario because he hit 108. It was like a crazy low Babbitt. Mm-hmm. And, but he also was striking out 48.7% of the time. Oh my God. And it was only 39 plate appearances. So, you know, that's yeah. uh, was that like, it's probably like 19 strikeouts in yeah, exactly. uh, 39. And, uh, but also that 39 plate appearances came over 20 games. So that was the Rockies rockying because they, yep. they have this uber talented player and they just like, yeah, you're a pinch hitter or whatever. So <sighs> since coming back up, uh, he got a pinch hit appearance, uh, a pinch hitting appearance on the six on uh, July 16th. And since that, pinch hit he's been a completely different hitter striking out only 28.8 percent of the time only uh being kind of a funny word here but uh for him that's incredibly low yeah when you're comparing to 48.7 that's really low yes but uh so striking out only 28 percent well 29 percent of the time also walking 12 percent of the time and hitting 288 with a fantastic 365 isolated power number and if you're not familiar, isolated power is what you get when you subtract batting average from slugging. So mm-hmm. uh, it's try it's kind of like a catch-all. How many extra base hits are you getting? Uh, so today he also went to. So that's before today's game. And today he went two for four again with another home run, making it six home runs in 63 plate appearances since being called back up with that's a hundred. Pace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and since uh, since that July 16th game, it's uh, WRC plus is over 150. Uh, and before you say that, this is Coors Field doing all the work. Three of those six home runs came at the Dodgers, at the Angels, and at the Padres. Uh, and those are not the easiest ballparks to hit home runs in. Oh, he's got he's got massive pull power. That's kind of where all his power is. Like he he tries to pull everything. But uh, I mean, for fantasy, that works because, uh, you know, it, it, home runs. We, we like home runs. Yes, we do. We love our so, counting stats here. Yes. The warning sign for me here is that he's pretty much exclusively feasting on bad pitching. Like I looked at every home run that he's hit so far this year, and there's the only really notable name is David Price and uh, the corpse of Jake Arrieta. <laughs> oh, wow. That's extreme. <laughs> God. That was morbid. Oh, sorry, the, the, the ghost of Jake Arrieta. Sorry, that's less. That's I like that better. That's more. That's at least like cartoonish in some capacity. The the husk of of Jake Arrieta. Uh, oh so I, I don't really like this for long term success, but in the here and now, I don't think you. I don't, I don't think major league teams see worse pitching than they do in the months of August, September. So in theory, no. he will see more bad pitchers now than he would have, you know, in April or May. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm purely speculating here. I, I, I have to assume that's how it works out with September call-ups and whatnot and injuries. So in theory, he'll keep seeing bad pitching and uh, keep hitting dingers off of the bad pitching and Jake Arrieta. Uh, so... I don't know if I'm buying this as a breakout. Like, I don't know if it, this is really raising his stock for me in the future. But as far as the rest of this year, I picked him up in my NL only league, and I'm gonna ride it as long as he he keeps hitting dingers. Love it. I, I, I will die on it. this Hilliard. Oh no! 
how long were you holding that in your in your just how long did you have that one loaded up just ready to just like drop on me that i actually just thought of i can't believe i took me that long to think of it you're an absolute monster you know that i wish i, I had a better spot for it i just i just jammed it in at the end oh god you're gonna kill me with these anyways okay but we have one more rock eye according to Schwab Z to talk about. Yeah. And uh, all of all of these stats we got from the Elias Sports Bureau. Uh, this is uh, Elias Diaz. Oh, God. <laughs> someone, can someone pick up this man? No, literally. Can, literally okay, can, not can, all. Can, can someone like, can, can someone call his wife and pick him up? Oh, my yeah. God. Well, if, if I know that if it's like you, 1.30 in the morning and she's asleep, but at the same if time. You, uh, if you called my wife and told her about this, she would say, I'm sorry, that is a problem for your baseball wife, and that is you, so you have to yeah. deal with this. Yeah. I'm sorry. I chose but, to be married to this man. Uh, oh, my gosh. Anyways. So, Elias Diaz. <laughs> Elias Diaz, uh, our, our second Rocky. Diaz is interesting because his season has been – it's really been a tale of two seasons. Before July 1st, uh, arbitrary endpoint here, but it's relevant. Uh, he was hitting 177 with only four home runs and a 19.2 K percentage, which, in the grand scheme of things, is it's a decent number. You know, uh, uh, so many people strike out more than that nowadays. Which, yeah. but you know, overall, not good production. Since that time, since July 1st, however, in 91 plate appearances, he is hitting 310, which is good. Nine home runs, which is really good. And only an 11% K percentage. That is awesome. We really like all of that stuff, especially out of a catcher. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot to like here. It's right when that arbitrary date hit, a lot of indicators started moving in the right direction. He started swinging less, both out of the zone and in the zone. He started pulling the ball more. He started hitting the ball in the air more. And reading into that, it looks like he might be being a little bit more selective, looking for a ball to drive and driving it. All of his home runs are to the pole side. So this also could just be confirmation bias and me pulling up the stats that are telling me what I was hoping to see. Maybe. Could be that. But the main takeaway here is that we have someone who's been putting up starting catcher numbers for at least six weeks now. He plays in Coors Field, which everyone likes in fantasy, and seemingly has the metrics to back it up after displaying offensive upside in a backup role in the past in Pittsburgh. There's a conventional wisdom that says that catchers take longer to develop than other positions because they have so much other stuff to work on. So maybe this is the Elias Diaz breakout, but uh, whatever the case, I'm, I am I have him in a couple leagues. I'm, I'm absolutely riding this power surge. Love it. I mean, okay, so like, which which leagues are you actually trying to pick him up in then? Literally any two catcher league. Okay, I can dig that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely good depth there. Uh, I did not think that at this point this season we would be, well, at least per, me personally, I didn't think that we would be talking about Rockies players that we'd be interested in picking up, but also that's kind of the nature of our show, isn't it? Oh, yeah. God. Oh. Yeah, I know. I like both these a lot. Schwabs. These are very good points, uh, or very good uh, folks to point out for folks. And again, uh, did we talk about their roster ship numbers at all? So uh, Elias Diaz is currently at twelve percent rostered, and Sam Hilliard is at five percent. Okay, so about ninety percent of you out there are going to be able to get one or both of these dudes. And I mean, with the way that they're playing right now, definitely some value to be had in those deeper leagues. Um, I guess beyond that, we don't have a ton of bats to cover. Do you want to just do some quick hits real quick here? 
Yeah, Dan. sure. Cool. Okay. And some, something I forgot to mention about Hilliard. He's oh, not yeah, even sure. he's not even running right now. He's got like 95th percentile sprint speed or something like that. Dude yeah. is fast and is capable of stealing bases if he so chooses. Problem is he's just never on first base because I, I think like 70% of his hits this year are for extra bases. Something stupid like that. Oh, kind yeah. of a, a little bit like Byron Buxton last year where he never stole because he was never on first base. Yeah. So uh, if he, you know, if he winds up on first with second base open, we could see some steals also. Heck yeah. I mean, yeah. And again, that's all about intent too. So we don't know how willing he is to be stealing bases as well. We'll kind of see as things go if he does right, get on right. first base more often. But that's good. Okay. Uh, let's move on to some quick hits here, real quick. Uh, first off, I just wrote down Miguel Rojas. He's only 18% rostered. He has three stolen bases over the past 15 days. And obviously at this point in the season, we're kind of maybe chasing folks down at the top, or maybe we want to extend that lead a bit and kind of provide a little bit more cushion. We need all the help we can get in that area. And I mean, the Marlins offense is pretty subpar, if we're being completely honest, but he still bats at the top of that order and should be in line to score his fair share of runs. He's got 12 runs scored over the past 15 days. So I think that's more than enough to take a shot on Miguel Rojas if you need like a middle infielder in any of your league's 15 team or so. Uh, I think he's a great pickup. Uh, Jan Gomes, uh, he's only played in five games since get tr getting traded to the A's, but he's got two home runs in that time. And I think he's probably a must roster in two catcher leagues just for the sheer like upside. He's actually been having a very sneaky, like quiet, good year. Uh, so I've been pretty impressed with him. Uh, Shrubs, you wrote down here for another quick hit, Carter Keyboom. Um. I'm going to let you yeah. talk about this. You know that I don't want to talk about this one. Look, I'm, I'm ready to be heard again. Are you? Uh, maybe. Maybe? Just maybe. maybe. We'll find out. Like, look, he's he's got two home runs since coming back up, one of which uh, we, we were watching. Uh, we, so we, we mentioned that we do a Twitch stream uh, of our prep process. Yes. And uh, while while writing these hitter notes uh, i looked at both of the i looked at all of carter keyboom's two home runs and one of them was definitely the best home run i've ever seen him hit mm -hmm. because it was a real it was a dotted down and in fastball which you know it's not the best fastball location but it wasn't it was, wasn't a bad pitch by any means and keyboom drove it like 430 like it was a it was a tank and that's not something you expected to see out of him given what he's done so far. So, you know, one hit doesn't make him not a bust, but it opened my eyes and it, I, I don't, I don't think I've picked him up anywhere, but no. it, it did take him, uh, it, it did change him from being completely dead to me to, uh, okay, I'm kind of paying attention again. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm still incredibly, incredibly skeptical about Carter Kibu. And I still, I mean, again, this is probably going to lead to me being late, on being able to pick him up. But if it's like a redraft league, I really don't care at this point. Uh, I think that there's other folks Fair. that you can grab. But uh, I just hope that he, I, I mean, again, we talked about it. It's like a pool noodle. I think it's more of like an al dente piece of angel hair pasta that he's swinging at the plate. But that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I really do hope that for a lot of folks' cases, mostly Schwebzies and also Shelly Verstrade, former guest and big fan of Carter Kibu that he is able to turn it around and he does actually provide the things that we thought he would when we were so optimistic uh, last year and the, at the beginning of this year as well. Um, and then again, this wouldn't be the end of the podcast if we didn't have it, some obligatory San Francisco Giants love. Shout out Farhan Zaidi. Uh, everyone from like Darren Ruff to Donovan Solano to Lamont Wade Jr. 
and then obviously Brandon Belt, I think are all in different capacities rosterable in 15. Like in Brandon Belt's case, we've talked about, like, I mean, he had four home runs in three games against the Brewers in his three game series, and he didn't even start today. He had a home run. He had a pinch hit home run, a two run shot. So he's had four home runs in the past three days. Again, we talked about Belt uh, before the season began and talked about how he had like the best WRC plus of like any first baseman in the league last year. And was like number three in the league, I think something like that. It was Uh, high. And he just continues to produce at a really elite level when he is healthy. That is like the big thing. Um, And again, he had four home runs against the Brewers and I'm super duper conflicted because I love him as a player. And he was someone that we hitched our wagon to really, really early on and talked about a ton, but he did it. He had to go and do it against the Brewers. Before, Before Belt got hurt, he was on a stretch of three home runs in, I think, like seven games. And now he's hit four immediately upon returning from the IL. So seven and ten games? Yeah. It's it's seven home runs in his last 46 plate appearances, which is a a pretty good rate. That's a decent rate. That is an absolutely goofy rate. That's absurd. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah. Uh, I think I do think that if there's like a corner infield spot or even like, honestly, like a first base spot, I kind of feel comfortable as long as Brandon Belt is healthy again, because he's dealt with so many injuries over the past few years, just nagging stuff. Cause he is getting up there in age, but he's so, kind of timeless. Just like everyone else on that San Francisco roster. It feels like, I think, I think belt. Um, if I, I think he's 12 team viable, if as oh, long as, sure. As long as your league is deeper than just first base utility, like if you've got that corner infield spot, I think yeah, it's exactly. viable in basically every league. Yeah, I love uh, it. You know, as long as it's not like, you know, your eight team or home league, whatever. Yeah, the man just hits. I mean, that's something too. And on base percentage leagues, he's had the lowest walk rate he's had for the past three years, if you count this year as well, has been 13.5% in 2019. He's going to be putting up an OBP of probably like, God, like 350 plus, almost guaranteed. By the end of the year, I would say, like yeah, he, he's I, just I, all around a good, versatile piece to have. Because again, like he's got that first base eligibility. If you have like corner infield spots that you can shove him in, great. Even like a util spot isn't the worst in the world, obviously. But oh man, he's he's just been so good over the past few years. Yeah, no, I, I as I said before, when we were just kind of spoiling that we were going to talk about him. If he's if he's off the IL, he should be rostered. Just end of story yeah absolutely all right uh i think that's all we have for hitters let's move on to our pitchers here so we're going to lead off with a kansas city actually you got two kansas city royals pitchers to kind of lead things off which is kind of wild this Wait, is it was like... almost three it was almost three. Oh god you're right because yeah. we, we almost talked about uh chris bubich a little bit we did almost talk about Chris Bubich. Who, uh, who we do still think is interesting. I just, I just like these yeah, guys a little bit more. To a certain extent. We don't, I don't think we actually wrote down any quick hits for pitchers. Maybe we could have. I don't know. It's fine. Um, but we're going to start off with Carlos Hernandez. Schwebzi wrote this one up. Schwebzi, take it away. So the first time ever that we did not write enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, so the first guy that I want to talk about today is Carlos Hernandez. Uh, Nick Pollock uh, at, at PitcherList of PitcherList.com has a uh, term that he likes for these guys, uh, guys similar to Carlos Hernandez. He calls them a young gun, which is guys that have the repertoire to be uh, really good, but maybe haven't put it all together yet. Carlos Hernandez is kind of also exhibit A on why I am a a complete dingus, and I don't know why anyone listens to me, uh, because 
I, I st- in my AL only league, I started Hernandez against Detroit and he got lit up. And then I benched him against Chicago, the, the White Sox, and he was awesome. And then I started, I benched him again against the Chicago White Sox again, and he was awesome again. So I don't know why anyone listens to me, but this time you should listen to me. This time, though, uh, it's right. Uh, Hernandez's stuff is like off the charts. Uh, not really because that's not how charts work, but he's he has uh, like 111 stuff plus rating, which is 11th among starting pitchers. Stuff plus, if you're not familiar, is uh, Eno Saris and Max Bay's baby, uh, both of whom, if you don't follow them on Twitter, what are you even doing? Uh, they're they're both much smarter than us. Uh, yes, incredibly. Like this is this is uncontested. You will not hear us either of us contest that fact. Yeah, so uh, so Eno Saris is at, at Eno Saris, of course, and uh, I think I think Max Bay is at Choice Fielder. Yes, I believe so. That is correct. Yeah. So uh, now the way they arrive at these numbers is is voodoo to me, but they're both much smarter than me, so I trust them when they say that Hernandez's stuff is silly. And really, just looking at it, it's yeah, it, it's obvious. The stuff in question is a four seamer and a sinker that both averaged nearly 98 miles an hour and two breakers that are at or over a 32% CSW. And that's, that, that's good. A little bit. It's, it's good. A little bit. His slider has a 20% winging strike rate, which is, uh, you know, on all swings. Yes. And then, uh, sorry, on, on all, on all sliders. And then a forty-seven percent whiff rate, which is just when people swing at. So if if, oh, someone, yeah, yeah. if a batter swings at his slider, they are missing it forty-seven percent of the time. That's absurd. Again, again, pretty good. I think like the the you know perfect world outcome here is is an obvious ace, but control is going to you know be what defines him as a pitcher in the long run. Uh, basically, he he's being stretched out right now from being kind of a bulk reliever to an actual starter. There's questions as to, uh, you know, inning counts on the, on the year. Uh, if it's, I think he threw like 60 or 70 innings last year. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we, we don't have the data for the alternate site, so we don't know how many innings he's going to throw this year. With that being said, his next two starts are against the Yankees and the Astros. So I would not be running him out there anyway, although he's got the stuff to succeed if it's on. I, I think where I arrive at the end of all of this is that he's not a pitcher that I was thinking of at the start of this year. Like he wasn't even on my radar, but now he's just absolutely rocketed up my personal, like, prospect list like keeper leagues dynasty leagues i love him as as a player in these leagues now and i'm absolutely targeting him if i can get him as a uh, you know long-term dynasty league asset all right and then like well, i looked this up because we didn't have it down uh the best part about this is that between esp and yahoo leagues he's owned like one two percent of leagues total yeah so he's like almost assuredly going to be there for you if you want to go pick him up so i mean obviously this this i mean it feels like a very low risk slam dunk for some people like they, they can make you look incredibly smart in a few weeks when he has some better matchups or even like like you said in keeper leagues or dynasty leagues if he is somehow still out there uh seems like a really really easy person to stash if there's if he still has like minor league uh eligibility and things like that but yeah I mean, this is 
uh, this is slightly similar to my my Chris Rodriguez call where I'm trying yes. to I'm trying to get on board well before everybody else. Yes. Uh, he's got the stuff to really, really succeed. And, uh, you know, this, this isn't your guy that you add if you need help now. But uh, yeah, if you can stash, if you've got, you know, uh, minor league spots or whatever, then uh, I, I think he could really, really be something. Okay, and then next up, we also got another Royals pitcher, like we said before, Daniel Lynch. Uh, so Lynch got called back up to start in the absence of Brady Singer on July 25th, and since then he's thrown up re- three really, 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 really solid outings. Uh, over those three starts, he's accrued 19 innings pitch. He's got only 13 Ks, which, I mean, that's not ideal. Four walks, not too bad, and then a 1.89 ERA, so he's been putting up good numbers, and along with that, also a 1.05 whip, so he's not allowing a ton of free passes. Uh, and then he's got two wins and two quality starts in that time, including, like, an I think it was an eight-inning, five-hit outing against oh god who was it i forgot already was it the it wasn't the yankees was it mm, don't think so uh, lynch sorry i had this up just a second ago it was against the oh my goodness please white Sox. yes against the white Sox. No, it was against Detroit. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Detroit. Uh, yeah, he had a when his first game that he got called up. He pitched eight innings of shutout baseball against the Tigers. Only had four strikeouts, but I mean, five hits, no walks. Really, really solid outing. Uh, really, kind of the biggest reason for his success this year is that he has an absolutely dope slider from the left side. So his slider so far this year carries a CSW of thirty six percent and has like a twenty plus percent swinging strike rate which is pretty absurd. Uh, and when you look at his heat maps on baseball savant, he does like a really, really, really good job burying that slider on the back foot to lefties. So, and then down and away to righties. Um, as uh, our overlord and at pitcher list, Nick Pollock noted uh, on the pitcher break, he actually did a pitcher breakdown uh, live on stream on his Twitch on Friday uh, regarding Lynch's last start against the White Sox he feels like Lynch could probably find a lot of success if he can command his slider and his fastball well enough to follow with like a similar blueprint as Clayton Kershaw or like prime Patrick Corbin, where he pairs this consistently like gloves, low and glove side slider with a fastball that he can also throw down there. So they look super duper deceptive and kind of just look like they're going to end up in the same spot. But one of them just like dives off the plate. The other one can nip the corner for a strike. I mean, you've seen Clayton Kershaw just pound that corner over and over and over and over again with that fastball and that slider over his career, and he's found a ton of success doing it. So I think, that, I mean, that's a reasonable ceiling, I think, for Lynch, if he can well, find that consistency. So being a lefty, we would want those back foot sliders to the righties and then uh, down and away from the lefties. I don't oh, want... Oh, sorry. No, I, I flipped that. My bad. Yep, you're right. I don't want our first ever piece of hate mail to be, you know, just a, a handedness correction. So My first piece of hate mail was to Schwebzy, was from Schwebzy to me just now because <laughs> I messed up my left and my right. My bad. No, yes, it would be, yes, it would be back foot to right handers as a lefty and then down and, down and away to lefties. That is my fault. Um, but yes... Uh, moving on from that. Oh God, where was it? There we go. Okay. Um, just in general, I think there's a lot to like about Lynch and he's also in a similar situation as, uh, Carlos Hernandez, where he sees, he's going to see the Yankees next. And then he's got the Astros. He's lined up to see the Astros twice in a row. So that's three pretty rough matchups 
Yeah, it's funny, funny how that works run, for teammates. Yeah, to run into. Yeah, it's really wild how that how that shakes out. But I mean, again, he had that eight inning outing against Detroit, who like recently has like been a very good offense over the past like month or two. Uh, he had a start against Toronto where he put up a quality start. He went six innings with three earned runs, which is it's it's not great. It's fine. He only struck out two, but he didn't get destroyed against a very very good offense there. And then he was up against the White Sox, who's another very good offense. And he gave up only one run over five innings pitched. So, I mean, he's faced good offenses before. And I don't think it's, like, completely absurd to start him against, uh, like, if you just wait and see with this first New York Yankee start. I don't think it's completely absurd to, like, throw him out there against the Astros necessarily if he does well in this Yankee start. Uh, Because he does get two of those games at home as well. So that at least will help him a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, overall, I just liked what I've seen from Lynch a ton and think he's well worth a roster spot, obviously. Uh, did I say at the top how rostered he was in ESPN and Yahoo leagues? I don't think so. No. Okay, so he's only 5% rostered, so like 95% of y'all should be able to get him out there in your ESPN and Yahoo leagues. I'd definitely take a look at Lynch and see if he would fit in as like a streamer for you potentially. Even with, I would say, the matchups that he has coming up, I would maybe take the chance on one, depending on how he does in that first start against the Yankees. Right. I, I feel like uh, both Hernandez and Lynch are kind of in a similar spot in their career where they, they have the stuff to succeed in, on any given night against yeah. any given team. Like exactly. we, we just said, uh, Lynch succeeded against uh, Chicago, succeeded against Detroit. Um, Hernandez just succeeded against the White Sox twice in a row. Like I just we, I, I'm not really there where I'm willing to bet on it on any given night against like an elite offense. That's fair. Totally understandable. I'm, uh, yeah, Schwebzy, I guess this is also like a thing of philosophies because like, I know that Schwebzy is incredibly risk-averse. It's true. In comparison to a lot of people, and I am definitely someone who likes to gamble and take chances. Right, and uh, it's also it's also like where's your team at? Because Absolutely true. Because yeah, like, you if know, you need strikeouts, Daniel Lynch might not be your guy. I mean, like having like a pretty like an like an average fastball and like a very very good slider could get you a ton of games on any given night. But like, I mean, his strikeout totals like against Detroit when he went eight innings, he only struck out four. Against Toronto, he went six innings, only struck out two. But then against the White Sox, the slider was working really really well again, and he struck out seven over five innings, which is better than he usually is. I mean, maybe he's seeing an uptick in this because he is handling that slider a little bit better and he's getting more comfortable at the major league level. But like at yeah. the same time, you can't expect like if you just need strikeouts, maybe Lynch is the most reliable person. Yeah. I like, I think either of these guys are, are could potentially be a really high upside streamer, just maybe yes. not high probability. Exactly. Very good call. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, all right. And then the next person we're going to talk about is Luis heel here. Uh, Shrubzy, take it away for this one. Yes, that is Luis Heal, and that is G-I-L, if you are as painfully white as both Jordan and I, uh, it is is pronounced like uh, like your foot, Heal. So Heal is kind of in a similar situation to Carlos Hernandez for me, where uh, he, although he arrives there a different way. and what we've got with Heal is apparently a plus-plus fastball. And it's not just in attributes, but it's in results. And a large part of that is because he does not seem to have any control issues with this fastball like a lot of other young guns. He is really, really good at locating his plus fastball up in the zone where it's 
spin and rise get a lot of swings and misses. His fastball has been like straight up elite in its first 12 innings. And uh, after his first start, I was concerned at the long-term outlook because I didn't like his slider. Like it, it was fine. Like the, the pitch itself was fine, but like the, the, the plot of where all of the pitches were going, it looked like a shotgun shot. Like it was just like no rhyme. Shot, yeah. Right. There was just no rhyme or reason to where it was going. Like it didn't look like there was a plan. And it worked in his first start, but I didn't think it was a sustainable kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then his second start happened today, uh well, or yesterday at this point. It was really, really good. He was locating yeah. it. He was locating it where you want. Uh he was locating it down glove side. Uh also just like inside like like middle in but out of the zone in so almost like where you would want a good cutter to be so if he can do that like i really like what what the package winds up being especially if he can develop the, the change up at all but as far as like his current day situation short term garrett cole's going to be back any day now jordan montgomery's going to be back any day now and it's unlikely that Heal has much impact as a starter unless something happens to one of their other starting pitchers. And I mean, the Yankees have someone uh, like coming down with COVID like every other day at this point. So that's very possible. Yeah. But and I mean, I could also see him coming like, like getting some run as a bulk reliever, maybe like at this. If he's got like an effective two pitch repertoire, like why why not use him as a reliever down the stretch? Right. So I can see that. But that's not the most valuable role in fantasy. So it's probably not something that you're picking up. But he's absolutely opened my eyes, and I'm paying much more attention to him in Keeper and Dynasty Leagues, just like Carlos Hernandez, although it's much more likely that Hernandez is a valuable pitcher this year for starts. Yeah, and then uh, Heal is actually already rostered in 16% of leagues, which surprised me. I just looked that up. Um, Yeah, he gets the Yankee bump. Yeah, that's true. He gets he gets more more love from that fan base. I totally get that. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the first start that slider was really 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 concerning. Again, with how wild he was with it, uh, but he looked much better in his second start. So hopefully, he settles down a bit as we go along here. And I mean, yeah, do we do we have him in our dynasty league? Is he out there in our dynasty league? To, I don't think to, so. To grab? But I sure will look after this. Yeah, we should look after this. All right. Anyways, uh, all right. I got one here for y'all that like to gamble. That's pretty much how I'm prefacing this one here. So I am, of course, talking about because obviously you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about Alec Mills. So Alec Mills is only three percent rostered currently, and for good reason. The Cubs are not like necessarily a great team. Alec Mills is not a flashy pitcher by any means. He's not striking out the world, not even close. He's probably going to only give you a few strikeouts a game typically. He throws only like 89 miles an hour. Uh, so you're probably asking uh, why Why am I even recommending him? Well, I think he's got some of the better matchups over like the next week and a half or so, like his next three starts essentially. Um, his schedule is really, really nice. He's got Milwaukee at home, and then he, they, he'd be at Miami, another so-far offense, and then Kansas City at home, which is three, like, I mean – relatively safe streams if you're looking for someone to potentially grab you a quality start. I mean, after re-entering the starting rotation, Mills now has two straight quality starts in his past two outings. Uh, I think that maybe the least likely stream here that I'd want to lean into would be the Milwaukee one, but that's mostly just me being a homer, probably. Um, But that probably is like the strongest offense that they will face. Uh, 
Mills also gets super fortunate because there's like a three game series against the Reds that he just completely dodges. And it's at Great American Small Park in Cincinnati. So he's able to avoid that, which really helps his outlook here as well. Um, at the end of the day, I'll just, I'm just going to wrap this one up by saying this. I think that Mills is likely the most milquetoast boring choice to have for a streamer. Like he is the Tobiest of Tobies. But it still feels like he is a reasonably safe choice in terms of these matchups. And if the pickings are incredibly, incredibly slim, you can certainly do worse than Alec Mills over the next few weeks. I, I think I, I think Nick Pollock would be appalled if I didn't say this. But in general, Mills is the he's, he's like the rice checks of of streamers. You know, he's not like your cinnamon like like Tyler like Tyler Anderson might be like your cinnamon toast crunch. This man, he's got, this man just stole my line. He's got. That some, I said pre-stream. <laughs> I literally said he made a General Mills joke, and I was like, Alec Mills is less is less cinnamon toast crunch yeah, and more I have, rice checks. And this man just. Stole I have no my, shame. This man I have just no stole shame. My, I'll go for it. This man just stole this. This man just stole my beat and wrapped over it. That's just that's what happened. It's this not. Is, it's oh. not plagiarism if you never wrote it down, Jordan. Oh my god. Why do I do this? Why do I do this to myself? Okay, but no, at, um, but I, I do have a I, I do have a salient point to bring up. Uh, okay, using okay. that, uh, so uh, I mentioned uh, since since we're talking streamers here and and good schedules, uh, another guy for for this week. Uh, if you need a streamer, Tyler Anderson, uh, okay. who will be facing Texas in his next start, and uh, it was tweeted out by uh, pitcherlist great Scott Chu that. Texas's offense is very literally like the probably the worst offense you've ever seen. It's 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 honestly impressive how bad they've been. Like on on the list of all of the qualified hitters this year, Kevin Newman is dead last in OPS and I forget the time frame but like it's like over the last couple of weeks like Texas's offense as a team is worse than Kevin Newman. So it's, pain, it's painfully bad. You should, bad to think you should about. be starting everyone you can uh, against Texas, and this week that's yeah. Tyler Anderson as far as streamers go. Yeah, that's an easy stream right there. I mean, like, are there any other uh, Mariners pitchers that would be available? Possibly, but I don't have them in front of me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's a good rule of thumb moving forward until something changes and until Texas actually starts doing literally anything with a bat is you can probably stream pitchers against them and feel fairly safe. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. The, the the worst offenses like at this moment that you should be streaming against are Texas, uh, sadly, my, my New York Mets, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Miami Marlins. Those, those yeah. are your targets if you're streaming right now. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think we only got two more pitchers to talk about here. Let's roll through these real quick. So I'm going to do another pitcher that's, I mean, for most of this year has been pretty underwhelming, but also like, I think, I think, okay, so Schwebzy might like this one because I think he used to play for a team called the New York Metropolitans. I don't remember this. You're not sure? The Matt, yeah. Harvey, Matt Harvey ring a bell? Nah, no idea. Never heard of that. Okay. Never, okay. never heard of the guy. I'll start talking about him. Maybe it'll ring a bell for you. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll trigger something in your head. Um, so, Matt Harvey for the Orioles been on a streak of like a few pretty good starts over his past four games. Uh, he's got 22.1 innings pitched over that time. Only 12 strikeouts. He's not, again, kind of similar to Alec Mills, not going to be a strikeout guy. Uh, but over those four games, three wins, three quality starts. Uh, this is a guy who's given up seven runs multiple times, has given up six runs multiple times, and has given up five runs multiple times this year already. He has not been good. Uh, 
So why are we seeing this sudden success of like four straight, like pretty solid starts after like a really rough stretch to start the season? I think that most of it is probably attributed to the fact that he's been changing his uh, pitch usage over the past few starts. Uh, when you look back to the beginning of the season, Harvey was throwing his fastball anywhere from like 60 to 70% of the time for the first like third of the season that we've played through so far. Uh, but then you see kind of a trend starting around like early June where he starts tapering off that fastball usage lower and lower and lower. And now we've reached a point where he's sitting at pretty much exclusively below a 50% usage rate on that fastball, sometimes as low as like 40, 42%. Uh, and he's leaning more heavily on his secondaries, which, I mean, he doesn't throw as hard as he used to. So that's usually a good way for pitchers like this to find a little bit more success is to lean on those secondaries a bit more because he used to have a very, very good fastball. Um, does not so much anymore. Uh, I will say that take this success that he's had recently with kind of grain of salt, um, there's not a ton to love about his overall profile. Again, like I said, he's not going to strike strike out the world. He's He only had one strikeout over four innings pitch in his last appearance against the Yankees. He also had a little bit of a knee issue, which it seems like isn't going to bother his next start this coming, I think, Wednesday is when he's lined up to start again. But with Harvey, it feels a little bit too good to be true, and it kind of feels like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think I'd feel okay grabbing him to stream in like a favorable matchup probably not much else even with his late success i mean we we've seen pitch mix portend success before yes that is correct we have so it, i i mean so we, we can definitely very clearly point to something as you know being the catalyst for this run do but uh, i am kind of i'm kind of with my partner here and saying that i would not bet on it to continue but you know if you're desperate yeah go for it yeah, this is pretty much just like because he has had some recent success. I feel I felt like we should talk about him. Um, but Matt Harvey, I get, okay, so just for reference, I also didn't mention this at the top again. He's only four. Matt Harvey is only four percent rostered in ESPN and Yahoo leagues, so he's almost assuredly going to be there if you would like to try to take a chance on him. And yes, he has seen recent success against fairly okay teams, but again, I just don't see it lasting yeah, I mean, super long. If your team is is that desperate, it, it, it must be a very dark night. Yes, probably. Uh, all right. Last pitcher that we have to talk about here, Shwebzi, is Eli Morgan. Yes. So this is another one that I would not say that I'm super confident in, but I'm intrigued. So his Savant page, it's, it's not quite Brett Anderson-esque, but it's definitely giving me some Eiffel 65 vibes. Okay, if literally any of you need to have that explained to you, just ask your grandfather about uh, that song. I'm pretty sure it's from like the mid-1950s. Something Um, like that. Yeah. But uh, in spite of that very, very, uh, you know, primary color tinted, uh, the wrong primary color tinted Savant page, he's coming off of a two-start stretch against the offensive juggernaut Toronto Blue Jays and the surprisingly hot bats of the Detroit Tigers, where he went a combined 13 innings, uh, allowed 13 base runners, and struck out 12 while allowing only four earned runs, which is good for a 2.77 ERA. Normally, that would be really dope, and we'd I'd be much more excited. But the way he gets there, the way he got there, is what is both underwhelming and also intriguing. 
So unlike a lot of pitchers these days, his average fastball on the season comes in at a Nick Tropiano-esque 90.4 uh, miles per hour. It's what very, a comp. Yeah, it's what a very comp. Trevor Cahill-esque or, or, or Danny Colombe-esque or uh, Humberto Castellanos-esque. This man you, has seven more names to read. You might be <laughs> you might be sensing a trend with these velocity comps. These are not very uh. good pitchers. Uh, what makes him interesting, though, is the combination of his minuscule walk rate, his good enough strikeout rate, and a pair of secondary pitches that can both get swings and misses, but also his velocity is ticking up a little bit. His last three starts have been his fastest, quote, fastball of the season uh, as he's gotten up to as high as a 91.3 average. And that's low, but when you're down in this velocity range, every tick matters. Yes. And the uptick in velocity has also correlated with his best starts of the season which is why I'm intrigued. So his next starts are against Oakland at home and then Minnesota on the road. Uh, he pitched for the Cleveland in, uh, the, the Cleveland future guardians, by the way, uh, if you're not aware. Uh, so I, I think, I think where I'm at with him is that I would keep an eye on him for this Oakland start. I wouldn't stream him unless I had to, but I would see what his velocity is like in that Oakland start. If he's still in that 91 plus range, then I would absolutely pick him up and start him against Minnesota. But if his velocity ticks back down towards that 90.5 or he was he was in the 80s at the start of the year. If he starts going back down in that direction, I probably ignore him because he got really lit up when he was in that range. Mm-hmm. But if his velocity is staying up in that 91 range, then he's suddenly much more interesting to me. Absolutely. All right. I think that's all we have for this week. Thank you for joining us on another episode of In the Deep here on the Pitchless Podcast Network. We appreciate it. Uh, uh, if you like what we do here, obviously like, subscribe, uh, leave a review for the podcast on either Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to keep up to date on when we're going to be streaming and streaming live on Twitch, that's twitch.tv backslash Shrubsy, by the way. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter on our shared account. That's in the deep PL at G, or sorry, just in the deep PL. Uh, and then you can follow, follow us individually at Bunt Singles for myself and then Shrubsy for Shrubsy. That's S H W E B S I. We also have, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, we do have an email for mailbag questions that you can send to us at in the deep PL at gmail.com. We will see you once again next week. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.